Welcome to the Break the Chains, Find Your Flame podcast. My name is Steve Wopolinik. I'm a licensed mental health counselor and one of the founders of the Promethean Project. Our guests are people who have broke the chains of their limitations and found the strength of their potential. We offer their stories as inspiration and as guidance to help others navigate their quest to find their flame. This podcast is made possible by the Promethean Project, a nonprofit wellness center creating a one stop shop for mental, physical, holistic health and wellness. For every $100 raised, the Promethean Project is able to help one person in need through different programming, such as the Ryan Odeon Leadership Initiative, the Jared Koslick Mentorship Program or the Strengthening Healthy Families program. Please visit the prometheanproject.org backslash donate to help us make a difference. Hello and welcome back, Breakers. This is episode 10. Thank you for sticking with us over the last 10 episodes. We are super glad that you're tuning in to this amazing episode. We have had a lot of awesome guests on the podcast, and the guest today is Nikki Myers. Now, Nikki and I met a couple years back at a yoga training seminar in Cape Cod that was about three days long. It was based on using yoga as a 12-step recovery tool called Y12SR, and we'll get into that in the in the episode. And I'm not even going to introduce Nikki because Nikki does an amazing job at introducing herself once the episode begins. And actually, the name of the episode is and dot dot dot. And that may seem like a very simple name for an episode but once you get into it once nikki starts introducing herself and talking about herself be made abundantly clear why i chose that for the name of the episode because it's really pertinent and poignant and sticks with the theme of the episode perfectly i will say that nikki and i had a lot of fun catching up Uh, i haven't talked to her in probably two or three years since the training we kind of hit it off and, and, and got to talking about yoga Um, some physical and mental health issues, as well as addiction and addiction recovery, and not just from substances, from behaviors, and even from our own perspective. And then we also talk about her upcoming book that she's been working on, some of her theories behind Y12SR. We talk a little bit about somatic experiencing, and then we talk about just the general day-to-day embracing of all of the motherfuckers that get in the way and how to embrace them rather than push back against them or run away from them. Now, this is the first time I've sworn in the introduction, and bear with me, there is some swearing in this episode, much like episode 9, but I think it fits really perfectly, and that's why I'm using it in the introduction, and you'll understand why once we get more into the conversation with Nikki. So, Nikki is doing great work she she started her own organization and practice 
utilizing Y12SR throughout the country. She trains in many different areas. If you're interested in learning or attending a Y12SR group, please uh, go to the website that is in the show notes and you can check it out or you can even outreach to them to get more information. I think I've said enough for the introduction for for this episode. I think the episode speaks for itself, so I'm going to leave it at that. So without further ado, here's Nikki Myers in episode 10. In a world where humanity's potential is imprisoned and locked away, our only hope is to break the chains and find our flame. All right, so uh, Nikki Myers is who we have on this episode of the podcast. Um, She's a yoga therapist and teacher of somatic experiencing and practitioner of that. She founded City Yoga School of Yoga and Health in Indianapolis. Is that right? That's right. And then in 2004, she created a program uh, called Y12SR Yoga um, of a 12-step recovery. And that was kind of based on some of your own experiences. Am I correct with that? You are so correct on that. (laughs) So I I did a a little research because in meeting you when I went to the training for Y12SR, we touched briefly on that. But one of the things I found was super awesome was that uh, how open you are about your your path and your journey um, and your own addiction. And then also... When I was reading up on the website, the fact that you approached recovery at, in a 12-step model program, and then you relapse after a couple of years. Yep. And then you approached uh, recovery through yoga, and yep. then you relapse after a couple of years. Yep. And then you came to this understanding of, hey, why don't we do it together? And then that's where Y12SR came from. And uh, do you mind sharing how long... Uh, how many years of sobriety you've had since then? Oh, not at all. I'm very happy to share that. As a matter of fact, on July the 15th, so very recently here, uh, I celebrated 19 years since that last relapse. That's amazing. It is. It absolutely is. Yeah. That's 19 and 19. That's kind of (laughs) cool. 2019 is your 19th year. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. So um, do you mind telling us a little bit about your journey and where it started for you? Not at all. Not at all. And, you know, I always say I don't care where I'm speaking or what I'm doing. Uh, I usually introduce myself the exact same way because it tells a little bit of, of, of a story in and of itself. So, you know, I've often said if I was speaking at Harvard Medical School, I would introduce myself the same way. And then two years ago, I actually spoke at Harvard Medical School and I did. I introduced myself the same way. So I say I'm Nikki. I'm an addict. I'm an alcoholic. I'm a codependent. I'm the survivor of both childhood and adult sexual trauma. I'm a love addict. I'm a recovering debtor spender. And, and I always say that's the big word, that little bitty word there, and, right? right? Because there's another side of that equation, right? And then there's an equal side on the, once I get the other piece of the and. So the and is, just like you said, I am a, a yoga therapist. I'm a somatic experiencing practitioner. And that's a, a trauma healing uh, methodology developed by Dr. Peter Levine. 
So oh, I'm man, a, uh, I got so many questions about Peter. Like he's my boy. I, I want to yeah, get into yeah. that. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Well, we could talk about that. So somatic experience scene practitioner. I am um, an MBA. I am. Uh, I would love to talk about this piece. The mother of two living and one deceased child. I'm the grandmother of five, and I'm actually the great-grandmother now of three beautiful great-grandchildren. And, you know, like I said, I love saying all that in the same sentence. Yeah. I, I would never believe you were a great-grandmother. I'm a great-grandmother. I am. I am, right? And I love it. I absolutely love it. So, um, quick question before we continue. Sure. Um, yeah. You know, they often say there's being a parent and then there's being a, a, a grandparent and it kind of changes your relationship. Does that change at all with being a great grandparent? Yeah. My, my great grandkids are really young. Right. Mm -hmm. And I've discovered that my sweet spot, particularly with the grandchildren is after they get about, I don't know, seven, right. Mm -hmm. That from seven up to through adulthood, is my sweet spot. Oh, so nice. I'm waiting on the sweet spot with the grandkids, with the greats, right? <laughs> Got it. My grandkids think that I am uh, the, just, I'm the bomb, right? They think I'm the bomb. So <laughs> that's, that's awesome. Sorry for, sorry for interrupting. I just wanted oh, to okay. clarify that. Um, I was going to say, the, you know, that whole other side. So we got the two pieces and the and in between. And the deal is all of those make up who I am. Right. All of those are experiences that have been a part of my life. Right. And what I've discovered is when I ignore or deny or pretend like those didn't exist or, you know, if I shove them, push them down or mm -hmm. any of that kind of stuff, then what happens is they come out sideways. Those experiences come out sideways. Right. And and so, you know, I always think of this in terms of yoga. Yoga means integration. It means balance. It means wholeness, right? Yeah. So the journey has been, how do I accept all parts of myself, right? How do I really get to the radical self-acceptance that the 12-step program talks about mm -hmm. and really, really accepting all parts of myself? And because if when if and when I don't, it, I always re it's reference the Disney movie Inside Out. Right. right. The little Pixar cartoon. Right. And it's like that. Then everything comes out sideways. And, um, you know, and then there's the other piece of it, too, that is kind of a paradox. But uh, one of the things about particularly the 12 step program is you get comfortable with paradox. Right. You get mm -hmm. comfortable in life, surrender to win and can't keep what you have without giving it away. Right, so you yeah. get a little comfortable with paradox. And the paradox of this one is, while all of those things inform my walk in, in this plane of existence, none of them define me. None of them are who I am. So it's both things are true in this plane of existence. And, and, and in my understanding and experience with this is you can't heal what you don't acknowledge, right? right and yeah. I'm interested in healing today. So that's why I do all that stuff. And, you know, so that's kind of the way I introduce myself. <laughs> I, I love it. I, I love the fact that the, the simple three letter word is so powerful in, in 
honoring both parts of of the positive and the negative of things. All of it. Yeah. All of it. Yeah. I actually yeah. just had a recent conversation similar to this. I was on one of my friend's podcasts and we were talking about emotions and I actually took some of it from uh, the training we went through with you about oh, I love it. Um, the different the differences of how emotions are if you um, suppress them and then if that's you right. honor them as gifts. That's right. Right. And I think that's, that's right. That's so pertinent that even nowadays, you know, mindfulness is such a buzzword in in, yep. in therapy and yoga and health and wellness everywhere. And, you know, oddly enough, I was thinking about this because I went to Harvard Med- Medical School for a presentation on mindfulness and meditation recently and what they were saying was hey mindfulness is is great but we have to remember to practice it when it's really shitty too right because we always hear eat mindfully be present be with your family be with your friends and no one ever talks about mindfulness when doing the dishes yeah (laughs) and so that really hit me i was like no that's right we hear it all the time yeah. But we never talk about when it's boring or when it's terrible, sitting with those terrible feelings or emotions and being mindful in that moment. And I think that's kind of what you summed up in that introduction. Yeah. And it, for me, it's like, you know, yoga, mindfulness, all of it says be present. And like you said, that doesn't just mean when it's cookies and sunshine and lollipops, right? Right. The interesting thing for me always to know is where I want to go when I want to avoid or when I want to not, when I don't like it, right? Mm-hmm. But the big thing for me has always been to notice when things don't go my way, what happens, even at a physiological level, right? right? You watch my heart get, I get a little heated, right? And the heart rate starts because I'm really addicted to things going the way I want them to go. Right. I think, I think most of us are. <laughs> so I and I love that. I love that thought. Uh, the the phrase I've always used is in a way, and I think this is what the Yoga Sutras and Patanjali was really were, are really getting at. That we're all addicted to the way we process our reality, mm-hmm. and the whole idea is how can we transcend that addiction to uh, the way we process reality. Right. Yeah. Uh, that's a, oh man, that's such a, such a trippy thing to think about. Right. How do we, how do we get away from my addiction of processing what happens in the world through my scope? Of, through my lens. From my lens. Yeah. 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 And it's so, yeah. it, I mean, this is what we do all the time. Yeah. But to think that we could be addicted to that is, is a whole new level. Yeah, yeah. It, it really is a trip when I start to recognize that my lens is not the lens, right? That, that in, in most, in everything, really, I don't even know what I don't know, right? And, <laughs> <That's> so, <true. laughs> and so, and that's kind of been my mantra, right? So when I start rushing to judgment or when I start you know, all the things that I do to escape my, you know, reality, right? right. I start tell, reminding myself that I don't even know what I don't know. Right. <laughs> yeah, and I think, I think that's, you know, in doing the work that we do, 
I think that's a, another thing to be cognizant of because when you're working with somebody, you, you don't really know what they know or what they think they know and how they view it. So it's easy to scoff at someone and say, oh, you're talking about Reiki or energy work. Right. That's why, you know, that's, that's foolishness. But, but we don't know what, what's real. So it's, how are we to judge that? That's right. Right. That's, yeah. that's exactly the way. And I have to keep reminding myself of that. Right. The nature of the mind is to make a definitive. And, you know, again, I love the mindfulness thing. The mind is a wonderful, wonderful instrument. Right. Mm-hmm. And the problematic when we start thinking that it's the only instrument and it's. The, oh, I knew you were going there and I love it so much. Definitive instrument. Right. <laughs> yeah, because when you think about it, I was, you know, I was looking through some of my notes from the certification and and even without perusing them in a, in a while, I knew there was one thing I was really looking for. And it was the diagram that you drew of the five bodies. Right. And then comparing that to the three minds of, you know, the brain, the heart and all this stuff in the gut. And it's just yeah. amazing how so much we we hear and we take for granted that we, we don't really know any of this stuff. Yeah, yeah, that's very true. That's a powerful model. Uh, in in the yoga therapy work and with with my teacher and the teachings that that I received, you know, that's a model that's used for just about everything. I mean, even when you're seeing. Uh, uh, the the uh, yoga therapy client, the intake model is based in that, the, the five bodies, mm-hmm. right? And uh, it's from the Titeria Upanishad, right? And it's it's just a, of things and to, and to be in things and to recognize that truthfully they're, they're, they're not separate, right? That that's a model. But really, they're all the same thing. It's like in, in the, the, the presentation for uh, Watobasara, we talk about it as H2O, right? right the, you yeah. got two atoms of hydrogen, one atom of oxygen makes up the molecule H2O. But really, you know, whether it's, it's water or steam or ice, it's still H2O, right? right. And, and the, the ancients say it's the same with us. Those five bodies... It's a great way to look at things from a model perspective, but really it's all the same thing. It's all, and what you do to one affects all the others. Right. Do you mind talking a little bit about what those five bodies are just for the listeners? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's the physical body or the structure, which is the body made of food. Right. And I always love that. I, I got this from a teacher one time and it totally changed my relationship with food. Um, this teacher had an apple, right, or something like that, a piece of fruit, and he put it out in front of him, and he said, you know, out here, this is an apple, but as soon as I take a bite into this, this becomes me, right, and right. it totally changed everything, right, uh, it so becomes good. me, it becomes the muscle and the bone and the connective tissue, and it becomes me. Right, and it just changed my relationship with food from that point on. So that's the first body. The second body is the one you were speaking to a little bit earlier, the energy body, right? The energy right. body. It's called the pranamaya kosha, right? The energy body. 
The third one is the thinking body. It's called the monomyic culture. And that one is the purpose. It's, it's intellect. It's the educated mind. And the function of the educated mind is to coordinate what comes in from the inside out, coordinate sensory data that comes in via our senses, right, to make sense of what comes in. And then the next one's called the vigyamikosha. It's the opposite. It coordinates from the inside out. So this is our values and our, our intuition and our motivations and psycho-emotional states, that kind of thing. That's called the Vigyanamaya Kosha. And then the last one is the Anandamaya Kosha, and that's the heart, is the way that I love to speak of that. But it's not the blood pump. This is the seat of love and joy and into the spiritual heart. That's the spiritual heart. And again, what the ancients say is that when there's a sense of balance, alignment, integration, between and among those bodies, then we sense wholeness. It's like we're walking in a sense of, we're being in a sense of wholeness. But when they're misaligned or disconnected or any of those things, it's like at that point, the system that we are can open up and then disease, dysfunction, disharmony, the disses. (laughs) (laughs) It's completely different from the 80s and 90s disses. Yeah. <laughs> right. Different from those. I lived through that. <laughs> now, anyway, that they can get in, right? right? And then when those things are there, connection doesn't happen. And I love, there's a quote we use in that that I love. Uh, it's a T.S. Eliot quote. And it says, hell is the place where nothing connects, right? Oh, and when, so <laughs> isn't that a great quote? Yeah. Yeah. T.S. Eliot is amazing. I love him. He was he was the shit boy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, really. <laughs> That's thank you so much for that summation. And uh, for me, and I don't know if I ever shared this with you, but in going through the training, it was a really eye-opening experience in so many levels. But personally, it really got me to sit with myself and realized some of my struggles in the past with food and obesity and depression and anxiety as I was sitting and listening to people's stories and, and, and talking about this stuff, it hit me so hard. And I can't believe I never made that being a therapist and whatever, it just took this, this one training to hit me. We're like, Hey, stupid, you had a behavioral addiction to food. And that's what, what's going, and that was what was going on in that time period. Mm-hmm. And it just opened my eyes. And when you were talking about uh, the physical body and, Oh, as soon as I take that bite, it becomes me. I wish I had that back then because I'd be like, oh, I'm not going to eat this whole loaf of French bread because that's going to become me. Uh, so. Or the, the Kraft macaroni and cheese, right? Yeah. With that long chemical on the side, oh, right? Your liver's going, what am I supposed to do with this, right? right? And I think if you look at that, that you know, that changes your perspective from this idea of, dirty eating and clean eating and just eating real things because I want myself to be made of real things. That's right. That's right. I love it. Yeah. It just, you know, and so much of this, again, it's not rocket science. It's just a shift in a, in the lens of perspective. Right. And it's just been, and that was one of those big shifts for me. You know, just all of a sudden it just hit me. 
this really becomes me. So <laughs> I love it. No, that's yeah. I mean, and in that specific part, and then it relates to the other five bodies that's as right. well as they feed into that's each right. other. So. That's right. It's something so simple, but not easy to comprehend from yeah perspective. Yep. That's awesome. Um, yeah. So there's a there's a bunch of different things we can talk about, but I, I hinted at this a little bit because after going to the training, I really got into somatic experiencing, uh, especially because I think you shared that video. I think it was Peter who was with the polar bear. Yes, that's right. Right. So if anyone's listening, um, I'll put in the show notes the the clip to it on YouTube. It's it's an amazing short clip of how animals deal with trauma and discharge trauma. And it's something that we don't really do ever. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so uh, can you explain what somatic experience is? With you? Sure, sure. And again, the methodology was primarily developed by uh, Dr. Peter Levine, who is amazing. I was, when I think about him, I mean, he's got a million letters after his name. You know, after, by the time you finish it, I just want to say E-I-E-I-O, right? Because he's got so many freaking letters after his name. I mean, from so many different disciplines and, and all that. So study and and just the way he speaks is, and, and his just, he's such a human being, right, in, in this work, in, this, in the depth of his work, and I just love his work. Um, but it's, it's based in this piece, is based in his study with animals in the wild, right? And what was recognized, what he recognized, what, is that while animals in the wild, they're routinely exposed to traumatic events, because they're in the wild, right? right? But they don't suffer from trauma, right? And I, I love this this whole thing. There's no possum Prozac, and there's no polar bear Paxil, and there's no zebra Zoloft, right? <laughs> yeah. There is puppy pa Prozac, right? Right, no, yeah. <laughs> but that's a domesticated animal, not an animal. <laughs> yeah, we taught them Take how to be depressed. Exactly, right? Takes on the neurosis of their owners, right? <laughs> so um, uh, what animals in the wild do, like in Peter's work, like the polar bear, you see all this film of animals in the wild. And I always describe the one I loved, like really loved, and it was the possum, right? And you, you got this scene where the possum is in the wild and all of a sudden begins to sense that there's danger around. And, you know, it kind of is there at first and it's like it's making a decision, mm -hmm. you know, and it's kind of like, I'm a possum, I'm really not built to fight anything or, you know, I got these short little legs, right? So fighting and running aren't good options. For, for to sustain life for the possum, right. right? And so it chooses to freeze, right? It chooses to play dead, right? And in the background of the film, you see that there's a wolf, right? And then, so you see the wolf come over and starts sniffing the dead possum and says, this is not at all interesting, right? And yeah. so it turns around and goes back and does whatever wolves do. But after all of that's done and the possum senses that the danger is over, 
what it does is flip back over and immediately begin to shake and move and, and all of this. And, and uh, I've always loved this part. You know when it's done because it does this big sigh. Right? It's yeah. like the nervous system has released. Right? Mm -hmm. And then it goes back out and does whatever it's going to do from, from that point. But it takes the moment. And it's the same thing the polar bear does in that little video. Right? Yeah, yeah. It shakes and shakes and, and then it makes right yeah. and then it's available for the next moment we don't do any of that no. right we rationalize it we justify it we say i'm fine right everything's fine right and so there's no real processing and the question becomes what happened to all those chemicals right, right. you had to you thought you were going to die so there was adrenaline there was, you know, all the chemicals that were, were preparing you to fight or flee, right? How do they get processed, right? They don't in, in generally in us, which is why the theme of why 12 is the issues live in our tissues, right? Because right? they, they, it's energy. It's got to go somewhere, right? And yeah. when it's not allowed to move, like energy moves, like we were talking about a little bit earlier, then it becomes something else, right? And so um, uh, I love the way Peter has done all the work in somatic experiencing is about releasing trauma held in the body. Right. It's one, one thing to do the cognitive work, right? I did cognitive work for decades, right? Relative to my addiction. Right. It wasn't till that I added this somatic component. It was something that was needed. I know for me and, you know, over the course of my years of working in this, I've seen that there are a lot like me for what I love to call a sustainable platform for recovery. To make it sustainable, you got to release uh, my experiences. Anyway, I got to release from the level of the body. Right. So um, I recently have been studying a, a new theory of, of therapy too, or a newer theory. It's, it's not like brand new, but um, you were mentioning it with the nervous system, the polyvagal theory. Oh, how it, yes. How it yeah. acts. And, yeah. and it, it fits so well. Um, yeah. And the thing about sighing, I think, is really interesting as well, because um, sometimes we're, when I counsel families and I'm talking to the families and I, I throw in and like, hey, you know, sometimes when you're arguing with your kid or you're talking to your kid and they sigh, that's not always a bad thing. It's them trying to re-regulate their system. Now, sometimes they do it really snarky. Yeah, that's not a good thing. But but sometimes it's a natural thing that happens. And we have to honor that they're not trying to um, belittle us or be disrespectful, but they could be trying to calm themselves down so they can go ahead and go on. And I, I love it. It's so, it kind of blows people's minds <laughs> sometimes because it's yes. something so simple like that. The polyvagal theory, uh, that's all, you get all that in Peter's training, right? In the, in the somatic experiencing training, that was where I was first introduced to it. Oh, great. And it's pretty freaking phenomenal. It is. It, it really, is. really is. And the, one of the things that I love again about adding yoga and, and the body-based work and pranayama and all the tools of yoga into this whole thing 
is that you know even though yoga was some some five thousand years old depending on the system or more you know it depend on the systems that you're looking at um whatever the ancients knew right i'm sure that they weren't calling it the vagus nerve or polyvagal or mm -hmm. any of that kind of stuff but they knew some techniques in order to re-regulate you know this nervous system and there's some breathing techniques and some things uh in yoga that work with the vagus nerve in in uh, to re-regulate the vagus nerve to tone it right. in a way that that you know that i don't think it's five thousand years old you know and so it's just mind-blowing that those things are there and they're free i love that they're <laughs> they, free it's thing yeah. they do for free to to help you out and i think right. i think um i was reading um the body keeps score and yeah. i think one of the coolest things about that book is that it's like yoga is one of the best things you can do to balance your nervous systems balance that's the right. the relationship between the sympathetic and the parasympathetic that's right and that's why it's that's so right. effective yep yep yeah, and it's amazing. It really is, and particularly pranayama, right? right. Asana's fabulous, right? It's fabulous. Pranayama, from my perspective, is even more fabulous, right? So asanas and, are and, the postures, right? Right, right, and right. That's, a, that's what breathing. a lot of times you see in Western, when you see yoga, people immediately just go to the postures, right? Right. And it's just so much more. And pranayama is the, the working with breath, right? And working with prana, which is actually life energy, mm -hmm. right? And then meditation is even more. I always tell everyone meditation is the real juice, right? <laughs> That's when you start working, right, with, right. With, with all kinds of things, relative neural pathways, in the brain so it's really the juice yeah and, and i think like if you if you can add those things together and use the benefit of asana to move in different ways you open up new neural pathways at the same time so you're really doing all that awesome stuff to your body but also like to your brain uh, absolutely and, and creating new stuff and it's as long as and this is what I tell people all the time, it really is an exercise in in synchronizing and becoming synchronous. Right. right. So the the awareness guides the breath and the breath guides the movement. Right. And when there's synchronicity between our awareness, our breath and our movement right then we it keeps us present it keeps us in present time because we time travel all time oh yeah right <laughs> i'm really good at that i am too i'm like my own delorean over here just michael j fox it all the time <laughs> i love it i love it so one of the things i i really so i keep saying this so i've gotten a lot from the training um, but one of the things that was one of the things I got from it, because my experience with yoga very early on was, hey, these are really cool poses. Let's see how much hand balancing I can do and inversions yeah. I can do. And I got pretty decent with them. Uh, but taking your your certification, 
like I already knew the breathing and some of that stuff was important too, but I just realized yeah. how important it was by going through it. So it was very eye-opening in that sense. And, um, and it really challenged my own perspective of things, my own lens, because so much of my history was based on being overweight and not being in control of that. And so when I started to lose weight and develop strength, I felt very proud about what I could do physically. And so I would challenge myself, but I would also be missing so many pieces by not syncing everything together. And and it just hit me so hard that I was like, yo, you're just being a bro. (laughs) You're being a bro because you're, you're into the physical challenge and that's great, but you got to connect this stuff. Right. Right. There's so much more. It was, that was one of those things for me too. Again, like the Apple thing. When I really got it, just opened up a whole nother world of perspective. You know, it, it just opened up something completely different. And I've been really deeply grateful for that. Yeah. And it shows yeah. man, the way you teach. I, I remember this because, again, I'm going to say, uh, open my eyes again. Uh, even the wording that you choose to use when you teach, it, it envelops you. You're like, oh, why did what she say it like that? Like dis-ease, right? Instead of yeah. dis-ease. That, that is something that rung out to me. I was like, oh, that makes so much sense. Yeah. <laughs> but then even how, when you're talking about things, you would say, I assert before yes. you start talking about those things. And that's something I was like, no one talks like that. And it's amazing <laughs> to hear it in such a way that it's, it just kind of brings, it brought me into like, oh, she's going to assert something. I need to turn my ears on because I need to hear everything that's being said right now. <laughs> I love, I don't even know where I picked that up. I really don't know. But it, it, it for me says, all right, you know, this is coming from me and we are bio-individual beings. This is coming from, from my experience this is my assertion, but I, I don't necessarily want it to be the experience, right? You, everyone has their own subjective experience. And so I'm, I'm sharing, like we share in, in 12 steps, your experience, your strength, and your hope, right? right? So I'm sharing that this is my experience. This is this with the study and you know, all the things that go into that experience. And, you know, I'm asserting that this is the way it is for me, but I'm not attached to it being uh, that way for you. It could be something completely different. for, And I honor that right. for someone else. And I think it goes back to just your introduction as well um, of connecting everything, every part of you. I feel like when you say, I assert, you've done some searching in that sense. You're not saying I think, or maybe, or this might be, you're saying, no, I've spent some time with both sides of myself and been been uncomfortable. (laughs) This is what I know for me. Yeah. And there's so much power to it. And it's a simple change in words, but it's much more deep. I love it. Yay. (laughs) I'm just like gushing about everything, (laughs) everything I notice in, in the training. Um, and for me, actually, that was my first legit yoga class. Really? Yeah. Cause I, I I spent so much time just working on my own flows and my asanas that 
I had never gone to an actual, I had had done like on demand yoga classes, but, but nothing right. in person. Wow. That's mind blowing. Yeah. I was kind of wow. hiding it, but I think I actually shared it at the end. It was something that yeah. came because wow. I didn't want people to judge me. And then, and then I was thinking, it was, that's not the purpose of this. This is a safe place to share it. And that's I think right. if, if anything, that's really the heart of why 12SR is creating that yeah. space, being a space holder, doing that, the, like creating that culture. That is the heart of, of Y12SR. We, you know, that just, you know, I always say safe. Safety's relative. And, and I understand that what makes me feel safe it may make you feel unsafe, right? So mm-hmm. that's a relative thing. But the idea of it is to create this container such that, like we were speaking of earlier, so that energy can move. And energy will only move when it feels safe. It won't move when it doesn't feel safe. And so the idea is to just create conditions and environments in the container such that energy, so you're different when you come out of there than the way that you came in, right? That something is moved, something's flowing, right? It's not stagnant or stuck or any of those kinds of things anymore. And that's something, you, you know, changing is, is one of the purposes of, of what we are and who we are. And I think too much we try to hold on and not change. And when you look at Buddhism, that's where suffering happens, right? And, and so I, I, I think people always, I was in a session with someone the other day and we were talking about why is such a quest in life, what is the meaning of life? Like, where did that come from? Why Why are we so worried about the meaning of life that we're so Man. focused on it and we're not doing it? Why? Right. And I was thinking about that a lot. And for me, I'll say I assert that the meaning of life is change. Yeah. And that's what it really is for me, is, is recognizing that we're not going to be the same person throughout all, all transitions of our life. And it's okay. And it's it's actually great to change. Yeah, yeah. I, for, for me, I've kind of come to the meaning of life is life, right? Period. It's to be in life, right? To be in life. And to know that even when this is over in this form, that life is still going to happen. The form will change, right. but there's still life. You know, we were saying this in the train. I, when I die, I'll go back to the earth. The earth grows food. Animals and moms eat the food. And, you know, it just all continues. So, you know, the the purpose of life is for me is life, right? And to be in life, right? I love that. I also love the thought that you were just speaking to there. The image on I have on my, my big laptop computer, right? is I, I got this image of the earth just spinning, right? And and my thought is, right this very second, we are standing on a rock that's spinning in space, right? right. And, and I don't know what keeps it spinning. And I'm not going to try and, I, I don't even go there, right? <laughs> I know, but I know that there's something that supports that rock to keep spinning. And whatever it is, I want to align with that. So trying to stop and not change, that's kind of futile, right? It's trying to like you're stopping the rock from spinning. (laughs) And that embracing you get so so much more from it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right? I love it. 
I love it. My teacher said, you know, change is going to happen, that what we do, that what we can do with our thoughts and our speech and our behavior, we can support influencing the direction of change. But it's going to change, right? We're, right. you know, we're never going to stop change. But, you know, I can do some things to look to influence the direction of change, right? I'm going to grow older, but I can do some things that I know sustain this body a little bit better so that that's not quite, the, maybe I don't have to face the process in such a, uh, a harsh way. Right. Uh, yeah, yeah um, it's when you look at emotional shifts and thinking about that an emotion is not just a thought that we have, it's energy, it's physical attributes, it's behaviors, it's language, it's attention. When you think about shifting from uh, sad to happy, that seems overwhelming. But if you can break it down into its smaller pieces, yes. you can say, oh, okay, I can change this little attribute by standing up straighter. Or That's right. Posture, or That's it. Shifting I love attention. it. And I think it, it's so subtle, um, but it's a way to step away from being overwhelmed and, and actually give yourself a path to follow. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah. So I have a couple more questions if you're still game for them. I'm game. Okay. So this one is a personal one because I've been searching the internet for it forever. Okay. Um, are you still working on your book? Yes. <laughs> I've been searching Namaste motherfuckers for so long and I can't find it. I'm working on it. <laughs> okay. I'm Great. working on it. It gives and me it hope. Has, yeah, it's it's coming. It is coming. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's a great one. So you remember what it's about, right? <laughs> I believe so. I think I just wrote the title down because I was like, oh, it's it's only gonna be the book. The only book named Namaste Motherfucker. I think it probably will be the only book named Namaste Motherfucker. Right? But the idea of the book is Namaste means the God, the good, the divine sweetness in me honors that same thing in you. And it's not just you person, right? It's you situation. It's you condition. It's you whatever it is in life. That as a yogi, it's my job. My job is to find the namaste, right? right? Even if what is in front of me looks like a motherfucker, right? <laughs> and the, the motherfuckers for me, right, have been divorce and death and illness and addiction and, and prostitution is a part of my story, right? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, so it's been those motherfuckers, right? And my job has been, how do I find God in that? How do I right. find divine goodness and sweetness in that, right? How do I find it in, in all those? So the book is about my experience with finding namaste, the namaste, even when what's in front of me is a motherfucker. <laughs> so good. <laughs> when it comes out, if you do an audio book, maybe Sam Jackson will read it. Everyone says that. Oh, I man, think I Sam Jackson funny. should, <laughs> no, I think Sam Jackson, I think I, I, I'm going to have to call on Samuel Jackson. Wouldn't that be great? Yeah, if any listeners know a contact, let, let's get this happening. <laughs> I don't think anyone knows Sam Jackson, but we can put it out there in the universe and maybe it will come. 
Yeah, you're right. You're right. All right, two more questions, and they go in tandem, okay. and it's how I finish every podcast because I'm a huge geek, as you said. You know, the view, the listeners can't see it, but I have a huge painting of Captain America in the background with Marvel. That's great. It. So it's great. It's a huge geek. So here are my questions for you. The first one is, if you had any superpower, what superpower would you want? Wow. I can tell you what I think my superpower is. How about that? Oh, that's question two. Oh, that's the shit. Next one. We can start okay. with that one. Let's start with that one. And then okay, I'll, we'll, we'll start with that one. one. Okay, and then I'll go back to what superpower. I feel like my superpower is the translating of in, into workable layman everyday terms and language. Uh, subject matter that it looks really complex and looks really, um, uh, really so much is so combined that my superpower is how does this translate to everyday life, right? Like the yoga sutras and, yeah. and the Upanishads and all those kinds of things that I love to study, right? But to look at that and, and to see the relevancy of all that in everyday, you know, day-to-day existence. So it's, it's the 12-step program talks about understanding and application, right? And it right. says that it's through understanding and application that it works. And what I've found is there are many with understanding, but they don't translate the understanding into actual application. Or it's the other way around. They just uh, uh, do them because they're told, but really don't have the understanding on the other end to make it sustainable, to support sustainability. And so my, I feel like the superpower is that understanding application and translating that both ways. Awesome. That's great. And yeah. I would second it just from my experience with you that you do a great job with that. So. Yeah. All right. Now the other question. Any superpower... Damn ever in fantasy worlds what would it be um right now you know given the the tenor of the united states in particular and and the tenor of the world right to um um create a uh some kind of lens so that we could all see each other at the level of heart, right? And see, you know, just that there would be a deep level, not just at the level of ears or eyes or the five senses, that we would be able to have a, a deeper level of understanding and application with each other right that's that's based in what we are which is which is love and i i don't say that the the when i say love i'm not saying you know the the textbook kind of love i'm talking right. the substratum the substratum piece yeah. Right. And so um, I create some lens so that we can all see that really at its heart, it's a substratum. It's not all the shit, the bullshit we put on top. 
That's awesome. I know, you know, your superhero name could be Heartlands. Ooh. I just came good. up with that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, Nikki, before we finish, anything that you want to put out there or anything you want to say to the listeners? Um, just if you have any inclination to find out more, it's all on com. And, you know, the way we describe the work in Wattopasar, and it's not just the work of Wattopasar. There are many things going on in what I love to call the movement, right? That this is a movement, right? And you see it. Tommy Rosen's doing some of this kind of work. I'm doing it. Rolf Gates. All of us are doing this so together. But I, again, assert that this is a movement, right? The healing of this thing, because we're all affected by it, right? You know, we're, we all the, through our process our reality. That's what Patanjali says. We're looking at it from the way we process our reality. And so um, the, the addiction, the problem that it is, is not going to be healed by the pharmaceutical industry. And it's not going to be healed by the government for sure. It's not going to be healed, you know, by, by any of those things. It's going to be us, right? It's us. So just that we can be in, in this movement together. And so if anyone's interested in knowing more about the work, go check it out and come join the movement. Come join the movement. I love it. Well, Nikki, <laughs> namaste. I'm not going to say, you're not going to say the other word. <laughs> no, no. My mom listens to this sometimes. So I think I've used too many swear words already. I love it. Uh, hi, mom. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so happy. And congratulations to you on the work you're doing. Thank you right? very much. I read that whole thing and yeah. all the work that you're doing. So, oh my goodness. What, yeah, you we're, know, it's, we're it's, trying it's, to get up and running. Uh, we have a couple meetings for uh, fundraising and and then possibly working with a couple colleges. So it, it's gonna gonna start taking more of a firm shape. So it, it's amazing. I love it. I love well, is there any way I can support you in any of that? I'm there. All right. Sounds good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thank you again. You are so welcome. Thank you for asking me. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast. If you or someone you know would like to be on the podcast, please outreach to us at info at the Promethean project.org. If you want to learn more about the Promethean project, or if you would like to donate to our cause, you can reach us at the Promethean project.org. If you really do enjoy this podcast, please share with your friends. Please like our posts on social media and Instagram and on Facebook. And please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or any podcast app that you like to listen to. Again, thank you for taking a listen. And remember that the most important step is always the next one.